When we discovered that we had so much more control over health than we thought, it it made a huge difference in our lives. You know, when when a parent is sick, it affects not just that individual, it affects the whole family, especially the children. Um, so eating this way, it helped us all just in that way alone. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. Living with diabetes can be devastating, not just for the patient, but it actually takes its toll on the entire family. Well, Mark and Kim Ramirez of Chickpea and Bean are here to share the story of how they took control of their health after Mark was diagnosed with diabetes. As a result of this change, they are both thriving in life and have changed the course of the entire family. As always, you can find the full bio for my guests and their links at our website, HealthyLifestyleSolutions.org. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Thanks for having us, Maya. We're glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. I'm so excited. I love the name Chickpea and Bean. Um, And the fact that you both work together uh, to really empower people. And I want to say, Mark, I learned about you through Eating You Alive, the film. Yep, that was it. And then I learned that you've been even more involved. As a matter of fact, I was revisiting some of my books that I have with Dr. Neil Barnard, and he actually highlights you in the, I want to say, diabetes section of one of his books where he talks about hormones. And I thought, well, look at how interesting. Mark is so involved with the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. We'll talk about all that. Um, But first, if you'd like to start by sharing your story of all sorts of disease that you saw in your own family. Yeah, so um, I grew up in southern Texas. I grew up speaking Spanish and English because my grandparents spoke very little English, so I had to learn them both. But I grew up in a big Mexican family, uh, eight brothers and sisters. And ultimately, we ended up uh, moving to Chicago, from southern Texas to the Chicago area. But ever since I have memories, Maya, of of my mother, those memories are of her taking medications. Initially, it was just popping pills, and it was for diabetes, right, because she struggled with it for more than 33 years. But ultimately, you know, as as I got older, I continued to see not only my mother, but now my siblings starting to struggle with those same with diabetes, and ultimately ended up having all my brothers and sisters, for the most part, all, you know, battling diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. In my family, we've had a couple people go blind. We've had multiple uh, uh, organ transplants, multiple um, amputations, multiple heart attacks, decades of dialysis. I mean, when you look at what diabetes and really long-term chronic disease, what is has caused to my family, it is just devastating. The amount of pain, the amount of suffering, and uh, the amount of pills, I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable what it has done. And I saw myself headed down that same way. I met Kim in college. Um, we attended the University of Michigan back in 1986 as freshmen, and we ended up meeting in 1989 and uh, ended up getting married and starting our family. But, uh, you know, 12 years out of college, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And I wasn't surprised, right, because all my brothers and sisters, my mom, everybody's struggling with diabetes. So 
ever since I have memories of going to the doctor and them starting to say, hey, your glucose levels are a little high, they always ask you, oh, well, it's in your genes. You know, it's, it's family, it's genetics, right, that are causing this. So I wasn't shocked when in 2002, the same year my mother passed after battling diabetes for over 33 years, that I was diagnosed with diabetes. So, um, you know, I'd struggled with chronic illness and disease for 10 years. And in that decade of battling diabetes, ultimately ended up having high blood pressure, high cholesterol, on insulin shots, and four oral medications. So at 43 years old, I see myself headed down the same path of destruction, health destruction, as many of my family members in the way of multiple medications, multiple doctor visits, you know, throughout the year, just many doctor visits, medications. And uh, I did foresee, you know, amputations, blindness, transplants, all these other things I'd seen my mother and my little brother go through heading my way. And we, Mom, Kim and I just wanted to make a change. I, I, uh, I remember we used to have fights. We would argue, not punching fights, but arguments verbal about mm-hmm. she would try to get me to eat better. And I would fight her tooth and nail. Hey, I'm a man. Don't tell me what to eat, right? I'm a Mexican macho man, right? I know what I'm doing. I can eat what I want. Don't tell me. And and it ends up that she was so right. She would try to get me to eat more fruits and more veggies and better foods. And I, all I wanted was the steak and the cheese and all the, you know, the meats. Uh, and it, it's just the way I grew up growing up around football, you know, playing football for the University of Michigan ever since fifth grade. All they taught you was you need a lot of protein and you get your protein through steaks, through meat, right? So I was conditioned and bred basically to, you know, be in that mindset. So it was a, it was an unbelievable, amazing journey that once, you know, after a decade of just every year getting a little bit worse, we ended up watching, Kim and I, we were given Forks Over Knives, a documentary, which hopefully many of your listeners may know of. And if not, it's a great documentary. But Kim's parents gave that documentary to us because they knew I was sick and uh, they were just trying to help. So we they gave it to us. It sat on the shelf for a few months. And then ultimately, uh, one day, uh, you know, I'm sitting there kind of depressed. I'm looking at my future. I'm looking at my health. My brother had just had his right leg amputated because of long-term effects of diabetes. Uh, he was already blind, all kinds of issues. And I'm sitting here going, my, my kids are young. <laughs> What, what am I? Am I going to be able to see them graduate high school, graduate college? Am I going to see them get married? Am I going to be able to see my grandkids? Because when Kim and I started to have our family, my daughter, uh, my mother passed when my daughter was nine and, and our son was six. And she never got to see them because she was already blind by the time our babies were starting to be born. All she could see was their silhouette, right? She couldn't see the lines in their face, the color of their eyes, because she was already legally blind. I, and I'm sitting there thinking about all this, and we had tried in, in my decade of being sick. You know, Kim had tried to support me to count carbs, count calories, portion control, exercise more, eat less. All these tactics you hear about keto, you know, it, it was Atkins diet, right? But the bottom line is none of those um, diets seem to work for me long term, right? I might have seen a little success here and there, but it wasn't until we wrapped our arms, we saw forks over knives, we were introduced to Dr. Neil Barnard, who reading his book, Dr. Neil Barnard's program for reversing diabetes, read that book. And then from there, we had tried everything else. So we tried this and lo and behold, in a matter of months, I was off all my medications, including my insulin shots. And in three months, I had shed 50 pounds off my frame. So uh, 
Here we are over a decade later, Maya, and we are still medication-free. We're 54 years old. Well, Kim will be 54 in another couple of months, <laughs> but uh, we're in the best shape of our lives. And we're, now we're, we're so thrilled to be able to share this information with so many and help them improve their health as well. Let me just add, um, thank you so much for making yourself available to share your story, to talk about diabetes. And I know that you're very involved with so much now uh, where you continue to share your message, but I feel like um, you can never overshare. I feel like people need to continue to hear your story of uh, how we can prevent this. Um, you did say that it's believed, at least within the Hispanic community, we still sort of believe that it's in our genes. What you're saying is that this way of eating changed everything for you. Absolutely. You know, that that was that's to me one of the biggest myths. I mean, genes do play a role in many of what makes us and you know, whether our eyes are blue or green, right? Or the color of our hair. And and they also have um there are some genes that also dedict or, or I guess dictate your uh, propensity to have diabetes, right? But it's what we're doing every day, Maya. It's how are we taking care of this amazing machine that each one of us own, every single one of us, right? Are we fueling it with the right foods? Are we exercising and moving a little bit? Are we getting enough sleep? Are we doing a little meditation and kind of keeping stressed out, right? It's all these things, but food is the one thing I see people running to the gym, Maya, four or five days a week. They're in the gym two hours, working out like crazy. And that's great. But then they go and fill that amazing machine full of McDonald's and Burger King and all this crappy food that is just not the best fuel for the human body. So so um, we have seen that time and time again. And yes, you know, you're right. It's, it, genetics do play a role, but I think it's more our lifestyle and what we're doing every day in an effort you know, to try to keep this amazing machine running properly. Right. Uh, so, Kim, what about you? Did you see any of these conditions in your family? And how was it for you watching Mark go through all of this? Um, you must have been doing all the research trying to figure out how you can support him in this. Right. I was so thrilled when we were watching Forks Over Knives and it got to the end and, and he told me, Kim, I want to try this. I was just thrilled. And um, I decided that we were going to do it right then and there that day because I didn't want to give him time to change his mind. I didn't you know, want him to sleep on it and wake up and say, oh, I really need a cheeseburger. So we jumped on it right away. And, um, you know, the first few days were tricky because we had to learn a different way of eating. We had to learn how to incorporate plants and leave the animal products off our plate. But after the first few days, we really started to find a few meals we enjoyed. We could repeat them and every once in a while try something new again. Um, and we were able to make it flavorful. So you were mentioning the Tex-Mex cuisine. And we were able to still keep the flavors, you know, by using the right spices, coriander and cumin and black pepper and, and hot peppers and salsas and delicious sauce, sauces like that. So I think because of those flavors, we were able to stay on track because we both enjoyed the food so much. And of course, thank God for beans. You know, we, we were able to use a lot of beans, especially um, black beans and sweet potatoes as a delicious combination. And when we would spice that up, um, it kept us on track. And as we started to move through the first week, 
Mark's glucose levels started coming down in a matter of days. And it just amazed us. It gave us so much hope. And even though um, we were struggling a little bit in the beginning to figure out how to eat, our lives became easier because we didn't have this black cloud over our heads. You know, we didn't have this threat of diabetes and all its complications uh, darkening our days. It, it was like the future started to look bright. Uh, we started to enjoy life more because we weren't so worried about the, the health complications that we thought were inevitable. We felt liberated. We felt empowered because we realized finally that we were more in control than we thought. And um, I, that, that is really what kept us going. I appreciate, Kim, how open you were. And I know you both were after you uh, saw the, the film Forks Over Knives, but it is, it tends to be women. We tend to be the ones that are a little bit more open and wanting to support our family, really, our husbands and our families. And a lot of times we find that women are faced with that obstacle of not having the spouse come on board. Sometimes it's for years before they make that decision. Uh, it looks like both of you made the change pretty quickly. And so uh, what happened next after both of you uh, watched the film, you started seeing the change. I think you said, Mark, that within two or three months, it almost seemed like you reversed your diabetes. Yeah. I mean, it was literally a matter of, like Kim was saying, a matter of days, I start to see my glucose levels plummeting. I mean, I used to wake up and my glucose levels, you know, I'd wake up with like a 170, 180 fasting blood glucose levels, which is way above where it should be. I'd come home from work, you know, after work and it'd be 240, 260. And I'm sitting here going, what is going on? I haven't eaten in hours, right? So again, when I, when I started to adopt this low-fat plant-based lifestyle, all of a sudden, my glucose levels were plummeting. My numbers were improving. I'm losing between five and seven pounds a week. And we just figured, you know what? Let, we had seen results before, but not like this. And ultimately, the proof in the pudding came to be the blood results. I mean, I was getting, you know, when we started this lifestyle on December 3rd of 2011, I, it was time for me at December 29th to go back to the doctor and get my three-month blood panel. Being a diabetic, we go every three months, right? So I went back to the doctor, and it was amazing the results we saw in just those 26 days of eating low-fat, plant-based uh, lifestyle. Uh, my cholesterol plummeted 60 points. My LDL cut in half. My hemo the A1C went from 10.5. Uh, in it, the, the previous A1C went down to 8.1. So it dropped two and a half points in just a short amount of time. And so it, we just said, you know what? I, I've never seen results like this. Let's just stay the course. We're, we'll, we'll continue to figure it out and get better as time goes on. And like I said, here we are a decade later. And I just want to make just real quick what you were saying before my about the about Kim and helping. And it is so important. And, and I you mentioned that sometimes it takes years. Kim was trying for years to get me to eat better. She would always make, you know, she'd have fruits and she'd have vegetables and she would try to get me to eat better food. Not She wasn't trying to take anything away from me. She was just trying to get me to eat some more of these, you know, fruits and vegetables because all I wanted was the steak and the cheese and the chicken, right? That's what I wanted to eat, the pizza and the, and the Kentucky Fried Chicken and these other foods and fast food and McDonald's and Burger King. And so we would argue a lot, but my, my whole point in this is that uh, 
females. Females are really critical to this whole component here because honestly, Kim is the one that makes the food. I make a little breakfast. I may make a little dessert here or there, but she's the one that does it. And not only did it impact me, but it also impacted our children. I mean, our children, um, they might not be 100% plant-based, but they're darn close. Uh, and they, you know, they're, they're considering their age and, and where they were in college and high school when we started this. It, it, was, it was a little journey. And Kim was the one who maneuvered our entire family through that. And everybody, everybody today in our household is better because of it. They've all lost weight, improved their health, and, and they're doing fantastic. And it is. And just like you said earlier, it is the females. They are usually the ones cooking the food. Uh, not only for themselves, but for the entire family. And it doesn't have to be the female. You know, it can be whoever is um, more involved in cooking for your family. But um, most, it seems more often than that, it's usually the, the moms or, or the females in the relationship who take charge with that. Yeah, so it's it's critical for the females to really be on board and at least keep yeah. trying, right? And keep trying because right. a lot of these meatheads like me, ultimately, hopefully they'll come along. <laughs> Don't give up on anybody. Don't give up. So great job, Kim, on on really just continuing to support your husband after your years of trying. And do you have a background in either nutrition or you just, uh, did you happen to have this kind of awareness that food plays a role in our health? And did you notice any health improvements on your end? Yeah, so um, I used to be a vegetarian when I was in my late teens and early 20s. So I was familiar with the ideas be, being veg friendly and things like that. So that helped because I had eaten that way for a few years. So I had some background knowledge with that. And um, then I got off track and, you know, I, I unfortunately was given some bad advice and was told that I needed to have meat to get iron and that, you know, I needed to drink milk to get calcium and, I um I got off track from being a vegetarian. But then when we got back on board, um, it really made sense to me. And there's a lot of science and evidence behind eating this way. So that made me feel good about making this kind of food for Mark and my children too. Um, some of the benefits that I experienced, the, the best one really was psychological and emotional because I was so worried about Mark. And um, usually when I start talking about this, I start crying. So, uh, um, our future really looked dark, you know, he was very ill. And, um, when we discovered that we had so much more control over health than we thought it, it made a huge difference in our lives. You know, when, when a parent is sick, it affects not just that individual, it affects the whole family, especially the children. Um, so eating this way, it helped us all just in that way alone. Um, but then if you take it a little bit further, I used to have terrible monthly headaches, um, terrible migraines that would stop my daily routine. You know, sometimes I couldn't drive. Uh, those went away. Um, I had a mole right around here that was supposed to be biopsy because it looks suspicious to my doctor. And after eating plant-based for about two or three months, that just disappeared. And now, you know, it's okay. There's no sign of it. Um, I'm 
I lost about 10 pounds. You know, my doctor told me I didn't need to lose weight when we started eating this way. So I wasn't really trying to lose weight. I was just trying to be healthier and to eat better. And that was just kind of a nice side effect. Um, in the beginning, we really did this in an effort to tackle diabetes. And I did it in an effort to help Mark's health situations. But as in most things in life, when um, when you try to help others, there's there's always these sort of nice side effects you don't expect that just kind of blossomed. Um, our, our son lost some weight. He used to have terrible digestive issues, and that cleared up when he started eating more plant-based. Our daughter um, was suffering from cystic acne, and it seemed like when she, um, she already was mostly vegetarian, but when she went a little bit further and stopped eating dairy, her complexion really cleared up nicely. So yeah, it definitely benefited our whole family, but the best benefit is just feeling empowered and um, feeling that you have a bright future and that you're more in control of that future yeah. than you might've thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm six two, Maya. And when I played college ball, I was 305 pounds as a big guy. But when I started this journey, I was 260 pounds. So I'd lost a little bit. And Kim is 5'4", but she's small, right? And so how is she going to move my big body weight, all that weight? And so all the, you know, amputations, blindness, transplants. And that's what she's talking about, me being depressed that day that we said, look, let's watch this documentary. Maybe this will help us, right? Yeah. And and it's it's so, we, we often, so many times in this journey, you hear people say, that's too hard. That's too hard to live this way. I can't. I can't eat all these plants. Where's my steak? And what I, what we look back on, we look at our own family, and we look at loved ones and friends around us. People going to dialysis. People who are blind. People with amputations and transplants. And and there's so much other baggage that comes around transplants and blindness. And you know all the help that they're going to need. Where are they going to get it? from the spouse, from the kids, from other families. So it's not just impacting that individual. Oftentimes I'll hear, well, I can eat what I want because it's just going to affect me. No, it affects the whole family, your Mm -hmm. children, your spouse. And this is what people need to understand. It's not just impacting you. You know, I'll hear, well, if it kills me so well, you know, or or it doesn't matter. Like with the technology we have today in, in America, Many people, they have massive, you know, issues where they're a heart attack, stroke, but they don't die. And now they need a lot of help from the family. So they, they, they bring up the whole family and everybody gets drugged into this. Take me to the hospital. Take me here. Take me there. And it's this constant, you know, stress, not only on the individual who had the traumatic event, but their entire family. And also the sadness that people feel seeing somebody they care about suffer. You're watching someone just deteriorate deteriorate and, and self-harm. And then in marriages, it's even more difficult because the person that decides that they don't want to invest in their health, they're placing all the responsibility on the spouse to be a caretaker in the future. They don't think about it that way, but if you don't take care of your health, I'm going to be the one taking care of you. And from what I hear from Riz saying, sometimes many of his patients are diabetic, is that once they have an amputation, the quality of life drops even more because now they're dependent on other people, depression sets in, and it's just, uh, you know, life gets worse once they have an amputation And, and anything else, really, if they have a heart attack, if they have a stroke. Now they're debilitated sometimes. And the, the good news is that with this lifestyle, 
you know, that we talk about this too, right? That there are never any guarantees that I won't have a heart attack or I can't have a stroke, right? But what we're doing here by adopting a cleaner, better, healthier lifestyle is we're minimizing the risk, right? Because anyway, we'll see some people may have a heart attack that are plant-based. Or, but when you compare those numbers to people who are just out there eating the standard American diet, it's way, way less, right? And so we're trying to just minimize the risk. Uh, but at the end of the day, I look at my little brother and I talk about him frequently, but he had his right leg amputated. Right now, they're trying to save his left leg because he broke, he, he tripped, because he's blind, he tripped and fell in the living room, broke two bones in the only foot he has, and now they're trying to save that leg. But there's, I love the fact that we have all this technology, but to your point, Maya, you know, his his uh, right leg, you know, where they where they cut it off, Oftentimes, the prosthetic, you know, there's a suction there where the leg is and and they'll get blisters and then you worry about infection. And so I love that the technology, but there's residual negative effects that can come with some of this as well. And the fact that he has four kidneys now because he was born with two when he's had two kidney transplants. Now his body is making a ton of hemoglobin. So now, again, love that we're able to keep him alive and give him the kidneys to 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 help him live, but he's got four kidneys. And, and while they may not filter out all the toxins, they're still, they're forcing his body to make too much hemoglobin. So now he has to go and get blood drawn out or take medications to not produce as much. There's all these residual effects that come with all this stuff. Whereas if we just wrap our arms around this idea that food is what's killing us, but it can also be what saves us, right? I heard Dr. Bonner say that a long time ago. And it's so true. And of course, a couple other things you want to exercise, stress management, etc. But it starts with the food, because if that is not right, or at least improved, you, most people, I don't care how much you work out or how, how many marathons or Ironmans you run, it's going to catch up with the vast majority of the people. That's right. And so I find it interesting. You went from being influenced by a documentary to being in a documentary and influencing others. So. What's the story behind how you now got so involved in the public uh, to now coach other people in eating this way? It began because we felt like um, we were thrilled with our results. Of course, we we felt so happy with how our lives were transforming. And we felt compelled to share it with other people. Um, and we were happy, but we were also a little frustrated, a little angry because we thought, why did nobody tell us about this? Why did we have to learn about this from a documentary? Um, why did no healthcare professional ever suggest eating this way? So we decided we had to get the message out there because there's so many people suffering needlessly. There's so many people who could benefit if they just have the right information. So that's really what motivated us. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry. No, go ahead. no. And so one of the things we're doing now too, uh, Maya, is Kim and I, we run what we call plant plunges. And we're actually teaching medical students. We've been doing this, I think we're going into our fifth year now, where we actually are working with medical students at uh, the University of Michigan, Wayne State University School of Medicine, and Oakland University School of Medicine. And basically, we're trying to reach out to any medical student who's willing to uh, at least lend an ear and, and give this a chance to, hey, hey, try this other approach, right? It's not all about prescriptions and procedures, 
right? If we can help our, you know, there the Hippocratic Oath, I think, talks about trying to help people improve their health, not put them on medications that for most people will just add to higher dosages and more medications over time. Let's try to let's try to get them healthier and stop them their body from being sick to where they don't need medication. But don't get me wrong, we love doctors, we need our doctors, we need these medications because some people it'll save lives, right? So we're not anti-doctors, anti-medications. What we're saying is for the vast majority of people that struggle out there with these main common, common chronic diseases, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, even type 1 diabetes, I know you need insulin, but there's a lot you can do to minimize other factors as well. Heart attacks, strokes, I mean, uh, arthritis, right? Obesity, all these conditions can dramatically be improved, if not reversed through a plant-based lifestyle through taking care of your body. So we're trying to get these doctors who will ultimately influence thousands of patients in their careers to say, look, before you put them on that roller coaster of medications, maybe give them some websites and some recipes to say, look, we can go down path A, which is let's try to see if we can help your body heal naturally or I'll put you on, you know, path B and we can start, start you off on one medication and we'll see how that goes and we'll just keep it adjusting. But they inevitably, what we see, it's a, it's a month long class. And what we see is these young individuals in their mid twenties. Um, we, they adopt or we ask them to eat plant based as much as possible, right? We try to get them, push them to really try and jump in a hundred percent. And we take a little finger prick pre and post, right? So we get their blood glucose, we get their cholesterol, their lipid panel, we get a, their blood pressure and weight. And we then check it at the end of the month. And the vast majority will see improvement in their weight. And they, they see some in their blood glucose level. Most aren't diabetic or struggling with that. They do see their cholesterol plummet, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 30, 40, 50 points in some cases. People will they'll lose some weight. But one of the biggest things we hear is energy levels. Like, man, I had, you know, I had some energy before, but I'm busting through the roof now with energy um, that I see by eating this way as opposed to, you know, the standard American diet. So it opens their eyes and at least gives them the idea that, look, this is powerful information. This is powerful. And I need to make sure I'm sharing this with my patients before I'm so quick to whip out that prescription pad. That's beautiful. I love it. I mean, you're helping to fill the gap that is there as a result of going to medical school. In other words, they do not receive nutrition information or training really in medical school. So you're filling that gap, that need for them to become aware that nutrition does play a big role. And by seeing their own biometrics, they're seeing the results. And I often think about like, how do you reach young people when they're not seeing the consequences yet? of the way um, from from years of eating the standard American diet. So you said that they are seeing improvements in their own energy level and probably even clarity. Uh, so that in itself is huge for a young person. Um, and they probably also things like acne clears up if they because young people tend to have that too. Um, so are you getting overall a good response from medical students to continue because you've been doing it for five years. So is this something you What's really cool, Maya, is it they reach out to us too. It's not like you know we're we're in communication, and, and as uh, they have these plant based groups, if you will, that are formed uh, in many cases in these uh, at the at the medical schools. 
So they'll reach out to us. Hey, we want to do another plant plunge. Hey, we want. So it's pretty cool. You know, they pass the baton as, as the mm-hmm. students continue to, you know, move on through their medical career. Uh, they pass the baton to somebody else saying, hey, you know, this is a good opportunity here. Right? Yeah, now we're starting to see them, you know, start to have patience and, and they let us know how they're doing and keep in touch. So it's really, it's wonderful to see the changes that are being made. Yeah. So now you got involved in so many other ways. Um, Mark, I've seen you. I, I knew that you both were involved with Food for Life, for being Food for Life instructors for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And I have had some Food for Life instructors come on the podcast because I think it's so important to talk about how well trained you are in food preparation and knowledge and in helping people make the transition. Uh, so that's one aspect of many things that you do. You are very involved now as well and have been with the Physicians Committee, again, with PCRM in terms of doing online transitional programs. And I want to add this for my listeners again, that um, while I took my mother to one of the immersion programs that PCRM was offering right before the pandemic, so that was January 2020, I was in DC. So I flew my mother from Arizona to DC, and we did two days of immersion for her. And I love her so much. And I just believe in this way of eating. And that worked out. That was nice. She she really enjoyed it. However, when you guys include it, Mas Plantas, Mas Salud, which is kind of like the Spanish version of an immersion program. When I knew that was coming up in 2020, I asked my mother if, she, if I could sign her up. And I said, you watch from Arizona, I'll watch from Texas. And let's do this together. It was like a half a day thing. And so she did. And then she said to me, oh, my God, I understand now. Like, I get it. Because the physicians were speaking in Spanish and then you had the, you know, like Lili Correa and I think Evelise Capo, you had food instructors that were doing all of this in Spanish with foods that my mother could identify with. So can you talk to us? I said all of that to say, talk to us about some of the programs that you're involved in and even the, the Spanish component of that. Yeah, so it was Marco Antonio Regil. That that's the gentleman you were talking about. But yes. yeah, so you know, uh, physicians committee has been great in that they are doing more and more classes, and they're getting more and more in and creating more Spanish uh, classes as well. So Mas Plantas Mas Salud has been done twice, and I know just recently they finished another. This was more kind of they wanted they're covering the whole world, but they had a Spanish version called uh, Un Mundo Saludable, um, which also was a program in Spanish. Uh, but they are doing more and more in, uh, of these um, of these classes and uh, making them available to any and everybody in all kinds of languages. But Spanish being uh, you know a main um, one of the main languages, so there that just uh, must we did Un Mundo Saludable that just ended uh, about a month ago or so. And uh, there's going to be more coming up. I promise you, we, I, there's no technical date yet, but I know there are plans to do more here in the near future. And Kim and I, we do a lot here locally. There's a, there's a, here in Detroit, it's called Mexican town. And just like some towns, they have Chinatown or here in Detroit, we didn't name it that. That's just the, the name, it. but it's called Mexican town here in Detroit. And there is a local um, health center. It's called Chaz Clinic. And we've done several events there as well in Spanish. What we love about Chaz is that they actually have a little kitchen and in, in, in their conference room, right, Kim? Mm-hmm. And so we hold classes there too. And 
they, they we've done them both in English and in Spanish. And of course, Kim does, Kim comes and does her, the cooking and teaches a lot in English uh, and the Spanish side. I can pick up there, but we're trying to do a lot to reach out to these folks who um, like me, Hispanic. I grew up on food stamps. I grew up with the block of cheese and all these foods that we get. You know, we needed help. My dad left up my family when I was six or seven years old. So it was really just my mom with eight children. And so we did rely on some government help in the way of foods, et cetera. And I remember those big blocks of cheese, man. We would, and I just sit here and I think, you know, some of the people that need the most help, they're not getting the information and what food they are getting. It's some of the worst food we can give them to help their long-term health. So um, the whole system needs to be revamped and looked at. I know it's a lot of work, but Kim and I are, uh, you know, everywhere we can, we're trying to talk to any and everybody and uh, make a difference. It's so important to to outreach, especially when you speak um, when you speak Spanish, and to make use of that. I I don't know if I ever told you, Mark, but I was a school teacher at one time, an elementary school teacher, and I mainly worked at Title One schools with children that were considered at risk, um, at risk because of the language that their parents primarily spoke, which was only Spanish, and then also because of uh, the social economic level they were at. And so I, I remember we were being taught to look, the nurse would come around and say, look, you know, when you get a chance in the back of their neck to see, to look for certain things, to see if they're showing signs, early signs of diabetes. And I'm talking about seven and eight year olds. Um, and, and these are also children that are at the mercy of the system. They have to eat the food that's available at school because their parents can't afford to send them with food. Uh, so these are the populations that we're trying to reach. And especially if their parents are immigrants and only speak Spanish, then that's why it's so important to offer these programs. And so I appreciate that you're so involved and you've led these other programs too, um, like Fight COVID with Food. You've been doing that for how long with, for PCRM? We've been honored to be asked to come on many events here with Physicians Committee over the last probably five years, maybe getting a little more involved. Uh, and now we're, you know, to the point where we're helping run programs with them. So we love everything that they do. They, it really is Dr. Barnard is what helped set us on this path. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's really cool. I mean, he's just a smooth guy. You know, he, te- he talks to the people in a way that they can make it easy to understand, right? Not, not all these big doctor, you know, uh, terminology. It's just bringing it down to, to the, uh, you know, uh, a, a level where everybody can understand easily what he's saying and, and why uh, why diabetes for many, many people can be dramatically improved, if not reversed, as in, you know, my case. Uh, and so many other people that Kim and I have helped in this time, too. So PCRM has involved us, my husband and I, in to be guests when you run these eight-week nutrition programs. And that really helps us to motivate some of our followers to get involved and just show up because it's a wonderful way of teaching people within eight weeks how to transition from the way they're eating now to incorporating more plants. And I mean, everything is so strategic and well put together. So everything from like um, how to do your groceries to what to have in your pantry, what staple foods you should have. Um, And then, you know, here are some recipes to try and how to travel, how to be around family. It Really, it's a whole how-to program that you guys have done. Um, is there anything else, any other programs, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? 
Well, just that they could reach out to us at chickpeaandbean.com. Yes. Oh. Um, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, chickpea and bean. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we love to hear from everybody. So message us if you like and let us know who you are and how you're doing. And if we can help in any way, we would be honored to help. Yeah. And we do private coaching as well. So if you want some one-on-one mm-hmm. coaching or, you know, anything like that, we can share, um, you know, our success and share everything we can to help individuals, uh, you know, adopt this lifestyle and do a better job. And like I said, Kim, Kim does a great job with the food. So, um, oh, so let's talk a little bit about the like your certifications or programs that you've done. So, this has become like your full time job. Like you spreading the message, teaching people how to eat healthier has is what you do full time, right? So, I I do have another job as well that I've had over twenty years. Mm-hmm. So, the plan will be at some point we will get there, uh, but. But yeah, it, it, it's it's like having my two full time jobs. I mean, Kim's at it all the time, and then I try to pitch in and help her um, when when I can. But uh, it is it is it keeps us really busy, and we love doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we we uh, we love helping people and understanding that. As far as certifications, I am food for life. Um, instructor certified through Physicians Committee. And then Kim has many, uh, if you want to talk yes, about Yes, I'm yours. a Food for Life instructor as well. And um, I did the uh, Ruby Forks Over Knives cooking school. And I did the um, Cornell plant-based nutrition program. Um, and I'm also um, a yoga instructor. And, you know, we talk a lot about food, but there's other things, too, about reducing stress and moving and getting enough sleep and things like that. But we like to start with people with just fixing the food so they can see the power of that and how far that can take them. And then um, when it gets beyond that and we want to tweak a few more things, we can help with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important, especially with the stress that we've gone through with the pandemic. Stress management, mental health is so important, all of that. I actually wonder what is next for you guys. So you did say that Mas Plantas, Mas Salud, that program will be more available. I love that it's titled Fight Diabetes with Food because I know you have different titles depending on um, on what you want to tackle. I guess what I would want to impress on everybody, Maya, uh, and this is Kim and I talk about this a lot, is that, you know, people will hear our story and they see all the amazing things Kim's doing and the results I've achieved and what we've done. But here's the thing. If we can do it, I promise you, you can do it too, right? I, I was this big meathead, jock, you know, don't tell me what to do guy, macho man, right? And ultimately, through Kim's, uh, you know, working with me, finally, finally, it sunk in and we tried something new and we received amazing benefits, not only for me, but Mm -hmm. for our entire family. But we can do this. You can, too. We are no more special than any one of you listening to this right now. There was a point where... um... I was trying to get him to eat whole grain bread because all he wanted was white. So I was just trying to get him to take this one little step in the right direction. And um, he was eating a sandwich made with wheat bread. And as he was eating it, he would stop chewing and look at me and the kids and go, it tastes different. It tastes different. <laughs> Forget the fact that it was loaded with meat and cheese. Still had meat and cheese and mayonnaise and Italian dressing with oil and, you know, like just... But just, you know, trying to get him to switch bread was a lot. Um, And he's come so far. So 
Um, and also we used to own a hot dog restaurant. So, which is, you know, uh, processed meats are some of the worst food you can eat. They're, they're just not good yeah. <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. Um, not just health reasons, but the things the animals go through and what it does to the environment and things like that. So, as Mark said, if, if we could make such a huge change, then anybody can. For women in general, when we are faced with a man that's a little bit uh, macho, uh, doesn't want to hear the advice from a woman or doesn't want to hear that he has to let go of me, what is the best approach? What Kim and I always talk about is trying to meet the individual where they're at. Some people, what we've, did, what we've found out is some people like us, They'll switch from one day to the next, and they can do that. They're disciplined enough to do that. There may be some stumbling along the way, but others, Maya, you need to take baby steps. And so if if we know or that individual tells, we, we find out this individual is not somebody who can go from one day to the next, it's just slowly like with the wheat bread and the white bread. Just baby steps, but keep trying to get there, right? Because again, there are that those seem to be the two camps that most people fall into. Some will just switch one day to the next and they just they 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 get it. And others, nah, they need more baby steps, right? And that's okay. So find out which individual and meet them where they're at and try to just help them continue down that path. Uh giving them resources and help and advice and and support as well. Cause I think that's you know, you, you, a lot of people go to these AA meetings or, uh, you know, get help, uh, you know, with drugs or whatever. They need some support. And that's really what we try to provide them and give them. You know, Kim has a lot of fantastic ideas when it comes to the food, how to make it, um, how to help people progress down that journey. And uh, and I think that's that's it is determining what that individual, at least to me. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh no, I think that's right. I think, um, you know, the person has to be ready and um, just don't give up because the, the right time will eventually come along, I believe. And um, but also when it comes to dealing with other family members who don't want to get on board, like um, our son was in high school when we changed to eating plant based and. At first, he wanted nothing to do with it. He used to open the refrigerator and look at the ceiling and say, oh, there's nothing to eat anymore. And, you know, I'd make something new and he would make faces at it. Um, so uh, what I, you know, if our children were younger when we started, I would have just switched to plant-based and not made a big deal out of it and just given them that food. But with a teenager who's driving and eating at school and going out to restaurant with friends, um, we just said, this is how we eat at home. And you know, what you do as far as food goes on your own, that's totally up to you. And I found what worked really well in our family is I would make our whole food plant-based meal for all of us. And if he didn't like what we were having, he could go ahead and make a sandwich for himself. And that was just fine. And what happened is, you know, he was supposed to make his own sandwich. He didn't want to go through the bother of making his own sandwich. So he would start to eat what we were eating and discovered it tasted really good. So eventually he got on board. 
I guess it's true what you said, Kim. You have to kind of assess whether the person is ready or not. And then I guess just being a living example and continue to support them however best you can. And really, I guess sometimes people look at this as a fat diet, like they're just waiting for you to give up on it, on this way of eat, of living. Well, we're, we're here, yeah, a decade in and yes, going strong and still trying to help people. And again, at 54 years old, we feel I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. And I know Kim is doing great too. When people, you know, see us, we, we there's going to be a couple other documentaries coming out this year. So we're, we were fortunate to be picked to to be in those. Uh, but there's there's a lot of cool stuff happening, and just don't give up, folks. I promise you. I promise you. If you really mm-hmm. wrap your arms around this idea that a low fat, plant based lifestyle is uh, healthier for for people for humans. Uh, you'll be amazed at what what your body will do and can do. And uh, there's so much science and data to support it. To the longest lived people on the planet eat predominantly a plant-based lifestyle, right? That It's a fact. So uh, you can do it. Uh, we can help you if you want. Maya and Dr. Riz, thank you for all you do to help so many down there. And if we can be of any assistance, please let us know. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, Mark and Kim, for being here with us today. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. You can also head on over to podinbox.com forward slash HLS to leave me a voicemail. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, thank you for listening.